Come on down to the dawn of the world Let's take that path through the atmosphere And give four thousand answers to all of your questions And maybe it will all be... Hello and welcome to episode two of Doll's Eye Theatre podcast After Lockdown During this challenging time of the coronavirus pandemic, Doll's Eye Theatre asked to hear from you. In May 2020, we challenged amateur writers to submit original work, no more than 400 words, under the title After Lockdown. We then paired each piece with a professional actor to be performed on the podcast. In this second episode, you'll hear six pieces of lockdown writing. We really hope you've enjoyed the show and thanks for listening. Things to Remember After Lockdown by Mel Vial How surreal to see empty streets? A normally bustling, buzzing Barcelona, full of live colour and noise. Bar terraces, replete with friends having a friendly beer and tapas of a lazy afternoon. Young keep fitters gliding down the seafront on inline skates. Market sellers on the Rambler, cheerfully making their fare. Mothers chatting in parks while rocking babies in their prams. Motorbikes whizzing, car horns beeping, ambulances whining. And all of a sudden, there was silence. We all closed our doors, pulled down the blind, sat down and looked at one another. That unspoken mutual feeling that the future was suddenly so very uncertain. From living non-stop, complaining that there was so much work and so little time to rest, we were forced to stop, forced to rest, and we realised we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Allowed to go out strictly for food and medicine, and slightly bizarrely to walk your dog, but not your child, going to the supermarket became a very strange, unsettling activity. Mask, gloves, hand gel, and extra gloves at the supermarket entrance. Finding oddly empty shelves, doing a quick shop and walking swiftly back home, avoiding and being avoided. Getting in through the door with a sigh of relief, (laughs) but with that unnerving, apocalyptic feeling on realising that for days you had seen absolutely no children on the streets. It seemed like the human race was finally dying out. Faced with the same four walls, sometimes you wanted to go crazy seeing images of overflowing hospital corridors, nurses wearing dustbin bags for lack of supplies, ice rinks being used as temporary morgues, scenes that you thought only existed in films. (laughs) Sometimes you wanted to laugh, thinking of the ridiculous amounts of toilet paper that people had stocked up and seeing the same dog being walked back and forth down your street, each time by a different person. Sometimes you wanted to cry when opening your window to clap for five minutes, thinking of all the real heroes out there, putting their lives at stake to save a few, while all you had to do was stay at home. Sometimes you wanted to scream and bash the wall and get away, throw the door open and start running just anywhere, but you know you can't. Sometimes nervous, 
how will I pay my bills? Should I really disinfect every item of food I bring from the supermarket? When it all ends, will I know how to socialise again? What if I don't even want to? Sometimes hopeful that after all of this, we should come out the better. One thing is for sure, life after COVID-19 will not be the same. Things to Remember After Lockdown by Samantha Flood I begin each morning in less of a hurry, drinking my coffee from a mug emblazoned with the phrase Listen to the world, I take heed of its advice. I perch in a nook with the window open, allowing birdsong to filter through as I sip. I'm a picture of serenity in my white cotton dressing gown, but anxiety skip through my mind like springtime lambs. I'm a living oxymoron. There are daily contrasts. One moment I'm revelling in the peacefulness, and the next I find the silence haunting. There's a simultaneous, surreal magic in amongst the chaos and fear. People are dying and grieving, and people are learning to live again, and coming together as communities, helping and healing, even as new wounds emerge and uncertainty lingers. I was due to be getting married at the beginning of May. In the days leading up to this emotionally anticipated date, I found myself spontaneously crying at random moments, in the shower, listening to the radio, out in the garden. Whilst they certainly weren't happy tears, I'm not sure they were sad either. They were just necessary outpourings of a unique heartache and process of letting go. On the actual day, my partner and I ate our favourite breakfast and chilled champagne. We took a hearty walk and both revelled in and shook a sod's law fist at the glorious sunshine. He pulled out puns and symbols as we meandered through woodland. Oh look, a white dove. We're on a bridal way. Did you brush your hair this morning? I nodded, I did. So you groomed? His wit is one of the many reasons I'm marrying him. I want to remember the sadness and the silliness, the magnitude of supportiveness and not just the breadth of the pandemic itself. I want to remember that even if there were worries, sorrows and challenges, it was enough to face each day with courage and compassion, knowing I could try again tomorrow if anxiety took hold. Rumi said, this being human is a guest house. So, whilst our doors have been closed, there have been many unexpected visitors. One moment, a buoyant hope. The next, a wave of fear and doubt. You have every right to feel this spectrum of emotions, but choose wisely what you fuel. By all means, honour your grief and anxiety, but don't forget to feed your love, hope and gratitude. Things to Remember After Lockdown by Angela Cowens
Sunday 17th of May 2020, day 54 of lockdown. Well, here we are, still confined, though we are lucky that we are both retired with good pensions, so we don't have to worry about whether or not our jobs will still be there for us when all this horribleness is over. Though we are both 70, we're in good health, so haven't been confined to the house, able to get to the seniors' hour at our local supermarket. We have a great local butcher and the local shop owner has come up trumps with her daily visits to the cash and carry. So we have been able to get flour and sugar, which often hasn't been in the supermarket. I've been doing quite a lot of online clothes shopping from stores that I like. It would be terrible if they went out of business, wouldn't it? So I feel I've got to do my bit by supporting them at this difficult time. So physically, we're fine. On the other hand, the emotional side has been quite tricky. For the first few weeks, it wasn't too bad not seeing other people. But now that the restrictions are being relaxed a little, it seems so much harder not being able to go and visit our children and grandchildren. Skype and Zoom, etc. are great for keeping in touch. But nothing beats a cuddle. You can meet up with one other person. But that's not very helpful when you want to go and visit the family. And it's not easy to explain to a boisterous two-year-old that she can't run and give grandma and granddad a hug. We had holidays cancelled, postponed. The planned trip away with four school friends to celebrate our 70th birthdays will now be happening next year. All being well, will we get to Vancouver in September to visit our son and his family who live there? What if this goes on for years and we can't? go to visit them. I will find it really difficult if the restrictions for those aged 70 plus remain more stringent than for younger people. We're both in good health and with no underlying conditions. This could be one pensioner who breaks the rules. Things to Remember After Lockdown by Matt Field It's the last Saturday in March. I wake up and the sun is pouring in through the window, positively gushing in. It's a glorious day outside and it looks as if there isn't a cloud in the sky. I say looks because there's a large building obscuring the view. It's Saturday morning. Oh, I've said that already. I'm forgetting myself. I look over and see from my phone, which I forgot to turn off last night. Silly me, it's not meant to be very good to leave a phone on next to you when you sleep. And it's 8am and someone comes in with a lovely bowl of cornflakes, some orange juice and a cup of tea. I get breakfast in bed in my very own ensuite room. I'm actually being served breakfast in bed. What a luxury. And it's Saturday morning. Have I mentioned that yet? I can't remember the last time I had breakfast in bed. Okay, the tea has sugar in it, but then you can't have everything, and I don't want to cause a fuss. I lie back and pull the duvet up over my chest and close my eyes, but I'm interrupted by texts and WhatsApp messages, people sending me all sorts of funny video clips. It's a full-time job just to watch them all and reply to the messages. And then I think of Steve McQueen in that film Papillon. Of all the things that I could think of, why this film? And why the scene where he's dreaming and there's that line of judges in the distance and the head judge says something like, Your crime is the worst crime a human being can commit. I accuse you of a wasted life. And Steve just says, Guilty. And I'm thinking, 
this is it. All the things that you wanted to achieve in life and you're never going to. All the stories I wanted to write, gone, dying with me as I die. The doctor comes in and says I have coronavirus with double pneumonia. I can't breathe without oxygen. All sorts of hallucinations and repetitions. I can't even walk to the toilet. But I'm one of the lucky ones. I recovered. Two months down the line, still recovering. So the thing I remember from this is how precious life is. Don't waste it. Hello again. I wanted to say a couple of things before the final two pieces of episode two. As those of you who listened to episode one will know, me and the Dolls Eye Theatre gals chatted in the first episode and took a light-hearted retrospective in the latter half of the podcast about our own lockdown experiences. Since the recording of episode one, the horrific death of George Floyd occurred in the United States, leading to protests worldwide and to conversations which are long overdue in the fight against racism and the Black Lives Matter movement. Last week we had two submissions of pieces from writers reflecting experiences at this time which we're including in episode two, so you won't hear from us this week and we turn instead to these pieces, the writers of which have much more to say than we ever could. The first is by Jenny Francis Levers, written and performed by the author, and the second a piece by Cleo, a friend of the show who lives in Canada, read by the actor Ali Zane. Thank you to both Cleo and Jenny for sharing your experiences, your pain, your anger, and your hope at this time. This piece is entitled, I Don't Want Yours. You know what? The challenge I have to make is this. With all the outpouring of rightful feelings of disgust, anger, rage, sadness, sorrow, shame, pain, etc. Will the Afrophobic murder of George Floyd be a forgotten punctuation in the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. Personally, I've seen, been impacted by too many instances of brutality where whiteness is weaponized against black people. I pray the struggle for equality continues. I pray that white people truly understand that I, for one, do not want to take away what rightfully, as opposed to lawfully, belongs to white people. I just want to breathe the same way you do. I want to be able to enjoy the right to life as you do. I don't want to take away your house, your job, your car, your neighborhood, your country, or your right to life. I want to take away your privilege, the lies that have been told historically and currently. I want to take away the cover-ups, the fact that although a minority in Britain, black people form the majority of prison inmates, I want to take away a white supremacist world economic system that steals precious resources from Africa whilst black African people are some of the poorest in the world. I want to take away the fact that a black man with a $20 bill is lynched in plain sight whilst a white man is given water to drink, 
after he allegedly murdered two people. I want to take away from history the misnomer that black people have no history predating slavery. I want to take away the lie that Egypt is not in Africa, but is the Middle East of where? I want to take away white fragility that shuts my mouth from speaking my truth. I want to take away the fact that when I step into certain spaces, I'm immediately met with the gaze of suspicion. I want to take away from the minds of elderly white women that they don't have to hold on tighter to their handbag when they see me because blackness really does not equate to criminality. I want to take away the fact that my father, brother, cousins, son and nephews are seen as big, mad and bad. I want to take away the need for hashtag Black Lives Matter, and the fact that some white people are so affronted by this that they have to respond with, all lives matter. I want to take away the fact that enslavers were compensated and British taxpayers only paid off the loan for the massive payouts in 2014. The loan represented 40% of Britain's national budget in 1833, or 17 billion pounds in today's money. Meanwhile, black people who were enslaved received neither pay nor compensation for their labor. I want to take away the lie that Christopher Columbus discovered the Americas. How can you discover somewhere where people already lived? I want to take away the way many inventions by black people are routinely and purposefully omitted from reference books leading to the assumption that black people have made no contribution to civilization or the world. I want to take away the fact that white people are expats and black people are immigrants. I want to take away the fact that white people felt that they had the God-given right to go around the world, plant their flags and take ownership of wherever they want in the world. I want to restore the many black lives lost through Afrophobia and the fight for freedom from the yoke of white supremacy. I pray we don't forget. And that white people use their privilege as a force for change and not as a force of weaponization. I could go on and others will have more to add. But to say I'm tired of racist bullshit and denial is an understatement. Yet I pray on because as a spiritual African woman, like my enslaved ancestors before me, I have hope and I know change is gonna come. Oh yes, it will. Written and recorded by Jenny on Saturday, the 6th of June, 2020. Ashe. Things to Remember After Lockdown by Cleo Shalott Today on June the 7th, 
2020, I'm trying to find the words that will express how I feel about the senseless violence and brutalization of people of color in America and around the world. I am mentally, physically, and emotionally drained. But I know it's my duty to use my voice and my privilege to fight for justice. I know I have to continue to share my passion, my rage, and my hope for a safer and more loving world. I also know that I have to hold people accountable for their beliefs, their actions, and their support of systems that have and continue to oppress people of color. So this is your call to action, as much as it is mine, to continuously use your privilege and your voice to amplify black lives, black businesses, and to create a space for us to be heard and seen. To stand up for our rights as if our lives depend on it. I know that many of our allies will never be able to truly understand the pain of being criminalized and suppressed based on the color of their skin. And they will never feel the pain of being racially targeted, hated, and criminalized on a global scale. I know they will never have to worry about being too black to get a job or that they won't be offered certain opportunities simply because of the color of their skin. And as I write this, I feel a grand sense, jealousy for that freedom and opportunity, but also shame because I guess I am one of the lucky ones. I'm half black and half white, which means in most cases, I'm just white enough to receive the white pass. But so many others cannot as easily escape the racial profiling, oppression, and abuse. As we've all seen proof that black Americans are not allowed to exist in this world. Black Americans cannot hold a cell phone, wear a hoodie, or go for a jog without being criminalized, targeted, and hunted for looking suspicious, a.k.a being black. Imagine the fear, anxiety, and emotional warfare you would experience every day when just existing is a criminal offense, charged with either life in prison or execution, often by the people hired to protect you. The systemic racism in America and around the world makes my blood boil. But the incarceration and murder of innocent men, women, and children shatters my soul. Remember George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamia Rice, Sandra Bland, Elijah McLean, Khalif Browder, Philando Castile, and every other person killed and enslaved simply because of the melanin in their skin. Remember how and why they lost their precious lives. Remember that slavery didn't end. It just changed uniforms. Remember that you have the power to change the future. Remember their names. Remember their lives. Remember their families. Remember that this is not over. Remember that we must continue to fight for justice and equality. Remember that we the people must stand up against adversity. Remember that we must use our voices and our privilege to uplift those in need. Remember that there is more love in this world 
when there is hate. Remember that we are stronger together. Remember love. Remember compassion. Remember. Rest in power and love. George Floyd. Tamir Rice. Lando Castile. Aditanya Jefferson. Breonna Taylor. Sandra Bland. Elijah McLean. Khalif Browder. And every other loved, valued, and honored person who died due to racism and discrimination. for listening to episode 2 of After Lockdown. This week's writers were Mel Vial, Samantha Floods, Angela Cowens, Matt Field, Jenny Francis Levers and Cleo Shalott. This week's actors were Louise Amos, Daniel Knott, Irene Palco, Henry Everett, Ali Zane and Jenny Francis Levers. After Lockdown was hosted and produced by Maddie Berry, Amy Eubank and Wendy Grace of Doll's Eye Theatre. Please note, submissions for writing are currently open for a few more days from now until Sunday the 21st of June. So if you have something you'd like to be shared, which can be credited or anonymous, please head to www.dollseyetheatre.com for more information on how to submit. We'd love to hear from you. Give it all up for us